Hey there, travelers. I'm Isabella. I'm Riley. I'm Angelica. And this is True Crime International. So where are we headed to today, Isabella? Today we're going to Russia, which was requested by one of our favorite listeners, Sydney. So thank you, Sydney. You requested Germany and we did it. Now you've requested Russia, so we're doing it. So if you request something, we will do do it. it. We'll do it right away. (laughs) She requested it this week. This is the first episode we've recorded since she requested it. Like, we'll do it right away. And actually, someone also requested Switzerland, and that was last week's case. So there you go. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Russia is definitely a country that we're going to have to visit several times because holy moly, there were so many cases to choose from. I just went on to the Wikipedia like uh, list of serial killers in Russia and it was so long. It was so long. Russia and Italy, man, they've just they've just got it going on over there. Yeah, they really do. I mean, uh, I think we should all do a Russian case at some point. Um, For sure. When I typed in Russian serial killers, like there was... There's one Russian serial killer that pops up immediately. He's like the most notorious one. And I thought about doing that. But then I found this bitch. And I don't know. I just really liked the idea of doing something super historical. Because today we're going to be going all the way back to the 18th century. I'm down. Yeah. This is the case of Daria Niklavinya Saltikova. Or the Russian blood countess. Hi. So is this like... um. Elizabeth yeah. Battery, about ba- something like that. Yeah, it's so similar. Also, I had just some funny tidbit. When Isabella told me that we were doing this case, she like texted me early morning, and I'm I'm awake, but I'm not exactly my um freshest self uh, because I am sleep deprived. But so she texted me, and she's like. Um, I want you, for your part, to compare this bitch to the main bitch. In my head. In my head, I was like, who from Maine are we talking about? <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought you meant the state. And I was like, main bitch. Main who? <laughs> like, Did we do a case from Maine? I was like, why are we doing a case from Maine? <laughs> No, I'm main bitch, not I. Yeah, not state main, just like Mm-mm. the the primary main, bitch. The in main one, case. yeah. She was M A I N, no yeah. E, no E, no E, and no capital M either. Just nope. I did well. <laughs> well, I texted you. Yeah, it would have been. I think it was like noon my time, so it would have been like six a.m. for you. Yeah. Sorry if I woke you up. No. I was awake. (laughs) Do not text me at 6 a.m. I will not reply. I'll I'll send texts um, when it's, you know, the morning my time to to people in the States. And like, but I'm just, I'm not, I know I'm not going to get a reply anytime soon. But if I don't send those texts when I'm thinking about it, I will forget. Yeah. And then, you know, everything will go to shit. So I send texts where I sent, when I send texts. If it's first thing in the morning, sometimes I'm still awake. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yes. Some if if uh there are many times I'll wake up at like seven or eight AM and Riley's still like sending messages to our group Snapchat and shit. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. So in order for this story to make sense and for you to get the full picture of what's going on, we need to do a little history lesson. So today we're having murder and a history lesson. Is that Fun. brush? Yeah. I'm going to assume that the majority of you out there aren't experts in Russian, in Russian history. So I think some historical context is going to be super helpful. Now, disclaimer, this is like super generalized, paraphrased history. Russia's history is fucking long and fucking complicated, and we don't have time to get into all of it today. I know we have some Russian listeners, so please don't be mad. I'm just explaining what you need to know. Are you holding a paintbrush? Yes. <laughs> Why? I I always have to hold on to something when I'm like talking or like in a meeting. And I have pens here too, but this paintbrush is really nice because um I can it I can brush it over my nails and like covers the whole thing like super perfectly. It's really satisfying. <laughs> and I just I need to have something to do with my hands and this is like the quietest thing I have to It's either this or clicking a pen and we're recording, so yeah, today I am fiddling with my Star of David. There you go. Sometimes I'll look at my nails. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, I, I do this in meetings too at work. Like I have random papers strewn about that just have like the most random doodles or I'll like write random song lyrics that like whatever's stuck in my head. And I'm like, I fully pay attention in meetings and stuff. I just always have to have something going on and i don't want to make a lot of noise i'm more likely to like write something like trace over a word a bunch of times than doodle because i'm bad at doodling and then it just makes me feel bad about myself so i just avoid doodling at all costs. my doodling is more like uh. drawing a bunch of uh like connecting triangles and then coloring in some of them but not all of them very abstract my doodles are some dark shit we don't like, need to. I, need to. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad for like this guy who sat next to me in this one class because I was like, he does not think I'm okay. Angel's like, but like, Angel's like drawing pictures of her murdering them. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you said dark. Yeah, like, moving on. To start, I'm gonna go a little bit further back to 1613, when after just decades of war and famine and plague that wiped out like a third of the Russian population, the people elected Mikhail Romanov to be the new Tsar of Russia, which established the dynasty that would survive and thrive, really, until the Bolshevik Revolution that killed everyone in 1917. And yes, that includes Anastasia. She didn't live on. Anyway. There's so many theories about that. It's it's something. I know, but it's they found else. her bones. They yeah, found I know. her bones. So like she... I know, but like there's still so many theories. It's... I it's love cool the theories. About, though. It's fun to yeah. think about. Um, but she was definitely killed. Yeah. Mikhail Romanov did some good things as the leader. He ended horrible wars and he rebuilt the country after it had been like broken up into a bunch of pieces. But like most leaders, he also did quite a bit of quite a few shitty things. And I'm not going to go into all of it. It is not important for today's story. Uh, but the thing that directly affects our story today is that he established serfdom in Russia, which was a thinly veiled form of slavery that also added, that also had the added advantage of protecting the rich. And to be clear, he didn't create serfdom. It had existed in Russia to some degree since the 13th century, but he made it the standard. And the Romanovs depended on serfdom okay okay so what separates serfdom from like slavery slavery is that under this system people can't be bought and sold directly instead the land that they live on is bought and sold 
and whoever owns the land you work for those people oh okay that makes sense yeah that makes sense like it's still a form of slavery but it's not it's not the type of slavery that we had in the united states and russia did have that russia did have slavery slavery but serfdom was definitely the the stronger establishment the stronger force yeah because you couldn't own your own land exactly yeah you just yeah yeah interestingly though slavery was legal in russia until 1723 which is quite late by european standards and peter the great was the one that abolished slavery but all the freed slaves just became serfs so yeah their lives really weren't that much better serfdom was really at its peak in the 18th century and though it was technically illegal no not technically it was illegal to buy and sell serfs directly like i said like without the land attachment the rich still did it all the time. Like, they didn't give a shit, especially when yeah, it came to house rich. slaves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially when it came to house slaves. Like, they would trade serfs all the time or they would, like, gift them as birthday presents. Oh, my what God. That fuck? is fucked up. Like, that's human beings. Yeah, exactly. That's so fucked up. So they're really, during the 17th century, there really wasn't a whole lot of difference between the practice of slavery in the U.S. and what was happening in Russia. The laws were different, but the actual practice of it was pretty much the same. So it's estimated that there were about 10.5 million serfs that were owned privately, and then 9.5 million that were owned by the state, and then 900,000 that were for the czar alone, which is insane. In the 18th century, when serfdom was at its peak, some 50% of the population was serfs. And this is significant because serfdom wasn't enforced or even commonly practiced in Russia. Like, particularly in the far north in Siberia, ser- like people serfs weren't really a thing. Like, peasants pretty much had total freedom. Huh. It's how... I can't get over that this... <laughs> He had nine hundred thousand just for himself. Yeah, yeah, that is insane. Yeah, I'm sure That's they. Like, I'm sure they served like the whole family. But, but yeah, that. That's a lot of people. That takes up a lot of space. Yeah, like the yeah. Romanovs, they can't be that big of a family. Come on, for nine hundred thousand serfs, that takes up a lot of space. But you know that they did not give them adequate space at all. Like, no. It's a big fucking country. It's the biggest True. country. And even by the the 18th century, I think they were pretty much controlling most of, if not all, the land that they have now because the 18th century was sort of like, no, I don't want to say it in case it's wrong. doesn't matter. (laughs) So the serfs themselves had very interesting dynamics. I'm obviously generalizing here. This was obviously not the case for every serf and it depended whether or not you were owned privately owned by the state or worked for the the czar uh but the serfs were bound by a really deep sense of community and family and i can really understand why i mean you're essentially forced to be slaves why wouldn't you you know have as close relationships with the people around you as you possibly can that's going to offer you comfort um but there existed this system of like mutual responsibility. It was kind of unspoken law between serfs. And in this and in this system of mutual responsibility, um, you know, it was relying on each other to get all the work done that needed to be done. So a serf couldn't just a serf couldn't just go look for work elsewhere willy-nilly. A, it was illegal. And B, it was unlikely that 
uh, that person would be accepted elsewhere because these serfs were so close. It was, you know, a super strong sense of community. So if someone comes to you and is like, hey, I'd like to work on, on the land here, they'd be like, so you left your other family to come here? What's to say you wouldn't leave us? Oh, yeah. True. And then if that person went back to their family, they'd be like, no, bitch, you fucking left. We don't trust you now. That's what you're of out of here. Yeah. So then you're like shit out of luck. So you, that like that and that bound them to the to the land even more. Like they couldn't just leave a because mm-hmm. it was illegal, but I think more importantly because of that sense of community. So serfs had really strict quotas that they had to fill for their landowners, and this depended landowner to landowner, what they did, what they grew, whatever. Um, in order to seem less cruel, though, the landowners created the system called. Uh, Obkrok, which is basically them saying that, oh, you can work when you want and forever how long you want. It's fine. Like, you know, it's your choice. You have the freedom to choose that. But they would also give them like ridiculously high quotas. So they would still have to work fucking 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> they did that on purpose. They're like, "Oh, you're free. You can work whenever you want." Mm-hmm. But not really. But not actually. Like you're not a you're not a slave. But you do live on this farm and I do expect you to produce I don't know, 100 kilos of potatoes a week or whatever, like something ridiculous. Yeah. What did they do in the winter? Be cold? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, abuse was rife in serfdom society. Floggings were so incredibly common people were often beaten or raped by the landowners but none of that abuse faced by the majority of the serfs even comes close to the abuse and torture that daya nikolavinia Solchikova, her serfs endured it's crazy so daya was born daya nikolavinia ivanova on march 22nd 1730 Less than a year after Catherine the Great was born. Catherine the Great was born like seven or eight months before her. Um, And she's famous for murdering her husband. So like it's it's not super important, but I just find that interesting. Watch the Great on Hulu. So good. I can't watch Hulu here. Like I have it and I have an account, but Hulu recognizes VPN. That show is so good. It is amazing. So Daya was born into money. She came from a noble family, and like many women in similar positions in her time, she was destined to marry well, which she did. Uh, She married fairly young, though what age, I'm not entirely sure, uh, to a man named... Probably like 13. No, it wasn't... We're not that far back in history. Yeah. Probably... But probably 17 or 18. I have absolutely no sense of history and time. (laughs) Well, I love history. Um, I find it so interesting. If her first child was born in 1750. So she would have been 20. Or, it, I mean, when she had her first child, yeah. So yeah. she probably got married. 17. Well, maybe like 18 then, yeah. yeah. Um, she married a man named Glev, sorry, Gleb Alexievich Saltykov, uh, who was a nobleman and landowner. They had two children together, like we mentioned. Theodore, he was born first in 1750, and then Nicholas, who was born the following year. I in love seven- the name Theodore. It's a good name. And I like the I nickname Teddy. It. Yes. Oh, I'm totally going to read some Theum fan fiction after this. I have a funny story. My friend, 
Her boyfriend's name is Teddy and it's T-E-D-I. And when they met, his like Snapchat name or something was Theodore. And so she always thought that his full name was Theodore. And it took her like a year to figure out that his name was just Teddy and it wasn't Theodore. What? (laughs) Who names the kid Teddy with an I? He's Albanian, so it's oh, like okay, okay. it's not like an American name. Okay, but okay. it was just funny. She was just really convinced that his name was Theodore for a while. Yeah, I know like some people that are just like they're like they go by like Theo or Teddy, but like as a joke, like friends will call them formally Yeah Theodore. Theodore. Because formal names are just so much fun. Yeah. But except for Riley, she hates calling me Angelica. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's just not your name. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's not formal. That's just long. <laughs> then how do you feel about my name? I've never called you that. You never knew me as Isabella. Like, I never... In- if if we had met outside of work, I would have introduced myself as Isabella. But because everyone at the place where we worked already called me Bella, it just didn't make me, it just didn't make any sense no. for me to introduce myself as Isabella. Yeah. Even though at my job now, everyone calls me Isabella. So in 1755, when Daya was just 25 years old, so, and I'm, I'm going to be that old this year, so I can't even wrap my brain around it. Her husband died, though I don't know how. Um, and she was left a widow with two young sons. I mean, I'm at like, I'm going to be 25 this year. If I can't even imagine already being married, let alone being left with two young children. Yeah. Ugh. No. No. That'd be hard. Daya inherited Gleb's estate, which was near Moscow and came with over 600 serfs. Wow. Oh, my God. The other nobles around her never really paid much attention to her. They said she seemed gloomy most of the time, especially after her husband died, which would make sense, obviously. Um, and she was a pretty quiet person. Uh, she was also surprisingly pious, or at least put on a very good show of piety by spending a lot of time in church and donating money to various churches and monasteries in Russia. I can't look at monastery and think monastery. I look at monastery and go, monastery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She stayed quiet and gloomy for a while, but then she met a strapping young lad by the name of Nikolai... Tiochev, uh, who is actually the grandfather, the grandfather, sorry, of a famous poet, um, but I didn't know the poet, so it's whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't know any famous poet poets from the 1700s. I don't think so. I mean, I do, but I like I have a hard time remembering if they're 17th or 18th century. They get kind of jumbled up. Sorry, 18th or 19th century. The 18th and 19th century went with poetry. I, I'm just not good with poetry in general. Poetry from the 18th century sounds like I wouldn't think it like if I read it I'd be like what is this because it's not poetry it's it's very hard to read at the beginning but like once you like work on like translating it a bit and working out the meaning it's it like becomes a lot more beautiful but that process can sometimes be very exhausting it's and not we know I'm not, and we know I'm not gonna do that process yeah. we yeah. <laughs> that is just not have you guys I any know. read any Russian literature though no. I'll bet. It is not to my taste. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not my thing with, with books. They are very... They are so long. They I can so read long. anything. I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I can read a long book, but if it doesn't... 
if I'm not invested in the story, it's not going to happen. And I've just never been, I've, I've never, I've tried reading a few Russian books. I've tried to read Foreign Peace and Anna Karenina. And it just, it's never, it's never been it for me. But anyway. I don't really read very often, so. Back to Nikolai and Daya. Daya was allegedly head over heels for Nikolai. And they started having an affair. And this lifted her spirits quite a bit. She was very, very happy for a little while. But then one day she found out that Nikolai was having an affair with another woman at the same time and that they had secretly gotten married. Um, and Daya was pissed. She was so oh, mad. Yeah, I would be too. If I would be too. gotten married. I would be pissed too. However, um, she then almost killed Nikolai. But how? I'm not sure. Those details are not available. Um, and... Nikolai and his wife pretty much had no choice but to flee. They went to Moscow first, but that was too close to her because she was just outside of Moscow. And eventually they just left the region entirely because she was so crazy and she was out for blood. She wanted to kill both of them, not just Nikolai. I mean, do I blame her? Yes. On the next episode. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Look, I'd be pissed (sighs) off too. But I'm not going to go murdering anybody. Mm-mm. Oh, no. No, I, I don't blame her for being so pissed off. Oh, I'm the worst. So on Friday, I, was, I had a, I organized a little meetup at work because we all work remotely, so we never actually hang out. So I try to put forth the effort to make, you know, like Google Meets for all of us. Well, we used a, a different website. We could play games and stuff. But at one point, we were talking about legal things that we've done and um, not to incriminate myself. I mentioned something <laughs> alleged. Yeah. I mentioned something uh, car related illegal that I had done. Nothing bad. No one was injured. It was just kind of, it was more like a dick move than anything else. Doesn't matter what it was. Um, and I jokingly said, uh, no, I, uh, they, they thought I had like hit a person with my car. And I, I jokingly said, no, I haven't killed anybody that I know of. And they just didn't take it as a joke. And it was just a, not a good moment for me. <laughs> do they not have those jokes in other places of the world i mean i yeah but i think maybe i just said it i don't think my sarcasm was obvious enough too casually (laughs) i said it too casually i really did sometimes i forget that i have to inflect sarcasm into my voice and so when i say something sarcastically it sounds serious Oof, making a really good impression on my colleagues And I'm the manager of most of them, so they're probably just like, who is this bitch in charge of what I do? It happens. Anyway, so this whole thing with Nikolai is what a lot of people believe to be what set off Daya because sort of like before all of this happened, she it wasn't known if she was abusive to her serfs or not, but after she definitely was. But since she wasn't able to kill Nikolai and his wife like she wanted to, she decided to turn her rage onto her serfs. So Daya is very reminiscent of Elizabeth Bathory, like we talked about at the beginning, who was the Hungarian countess who spent like 20 years torturing, murdering, and allegedly bathing in the blood of her subjects. Uh, fun, fun connection. When I was doing the Women in White episode, she also came up, but like... She's connected to the myth, but she is the woman in red. Ooh. Or the oh. red woman. Red woman. But Elizabeth connections. She was a crazy yeah, she bitch. Was she really was. She was nuts. Um 
while there are no reports of Daya bathing in her serf's blood, she was just as fucking sadistic. So she definitely wasn't a spree killer. She didn't just like head into her serf's home, her serf's homes and start massacring them. Her crimes started around 1756, 1757. It's it's unclear. And they lasted until 1762. And the rage that was born inside her after Nikolai's betrayal would lash out at totally random times. And she focused her hatred and violence on women instead of men. In fact, only three men are known to have died by her hand, and they were all believed to be accidents. Well, that's, that is odd if it was, like, born out of the her being mad at this dude, considering that she only killed women. But I guess the... A woman took her. Yeah, because yeah. I was thinking about it. And, you know, if we, we have to think about it from an 18th century perspective, she probably blamed the woman. Yeah. And also, Elizabeth, uh, sorry, I almost called her Elizabeth. We're not talking about Elizabeth Bathory. <laughs> Daya, like she wasn't, she wouldn't have been a big person. She wouldn't have been able to overpower men as easily. So mm-hmm. at the beginning, Daya would do things like, throw logs at serfs who worked in her house if they did something like she like like if they didn't clean to her satisfaction she would just throw logs at them or something a that's, log that's, that's just like up. it makes sense because they use so many fireplaces yeah but like i'm in my mind i'm like where is she getting all these logs <laughs> yeah in a 17th century noblewoman sorry 18th century noblewoman's home i imagine that they were projectiles just like ready and waiting every in, in every single room so no, no one would oh be yeah Things progressed over the years, and she would regularly beat her serfs, but that's like the least of her crimes. She would whip them. She would break their bones. She would burn them, like with fire, but she would also pour boiling water on them. She would throw them out into the Moscow winters naked. Uh, She would also, I hate this so much, she would pull their ears off with pliers. Uh, Oh my god, that makes me want to... Gag. Aren't you glad you didn't have breakfast yet? Because. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. I want to literally barf. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop there, but she did all manner of horrible things to them. And she found great pleasure in inflicting pain onto others. The majority of her victims were the more vulnerable. She targeted children and uh, girls. Like the, the ages of like 10 to 12 were sort of her favorite, but she would also go after pregnant women, and it's even speculated that she would stomp on the bellies of pregnant women. Yeah. I got nothing. There were also rumors that she was a cannibal, but those are completely unsubstantiated, and I honestly don't really believe them, but they're out there. Like, I believe she was horrible, but I don't... It's probably just, like, exaggeration. Exactly. I think it's, uh, you know, 18th century gossip run amok. Yeah, being like, oh, and she ate them too. I, I really, I really don't think she was a cannibal, uh, but I do think she was a sadistic monster. Because sadism and cannibalism don't run the same course. They can, but no, yeah, it's, they're not mutually exclusive. Now, just because the physical violence was focused on women, that doesn't mean that she didn't torture men either. She would torture them. But she would do it by killing their loved ones, sometimes right in front of them. 
So she went off to women physically, but she went off to men emotionally. And I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. For, 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 if, if she really, if this whole, if this did stop because of the rage she felt from the betrayal, I could understand why she would figuratively want to uh, kill the, the, the wife in front of the, the man that betrayed her, you know, like really hurt him. And also it displays a certain amount of power. One man in particular lost three of his wives to Daya. And like, this wasn't polyamorous or anything. He would remarry and she would kill the next wife. That's so fucked up, bro. That is like, so fucked up. So the serfs, quite obviously, were none too happy about their landowner and complaints about what she was doing were being made to others in positions of powers quite early on. Like, it, it wasn't a big secret. Uh, but they were completely ignored because Daya was a respected member of the ruling class. So the people that complained would either be ignored or they would be beaten for complaining about the woman torturing them and their loved ones. Because they were like, how dare you complain about your landowner? She is a good Christian lady. Not quite. And that's why things have changed. <laughs> yeah, literally. So it was the summer of 1762 that was her downfall, though. Ermelay Illin, who was the man who lost all three of his wives, and another man, another serf by the name of Sikhevli Martinov, uh, escaped the estate and went all the way up to St. Petersburg, where they were able to petition in front of Catherine the Great herself, who was empress at the time. She was really their last hope because of the empress brushed them off. I mean, there was going to be nothing that could be done. And there was never going to be any opportunity for Daya to be taken down, you know? Yeah. Luckily for them, or I mean, this could be luck or it could be like they, they knew and took advantage of this. Catherine was in the middle of trying to appear more lawful to, to her subjects. Um, so she listened to the two men and ordered the College of Justice to start a full-scale investigation into Daya and her estate, particularly the allegations of torture and murder. Catherine was very careful to make sure that the investigation was as public as possible. But we'll get, we'll get back to that in a bit. Daya was arrested soon after, and she was detained for six years while the authorities conducted their investigation. Damn. Yeah. The lead investigator was named Stefan Volkov, and he had a really difficult time with this investigation because first of all, the vast majority of Dahlia's serfs were too scared to give any evidence. And I mean, if she got off, what would have happened to them if she found out that they gave evidence against her? So yeah, I'd be scared shitless too. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything probably. Did they? Okay. So when she murdered people, what did she do with the bodies? I think they were just buried on the estate. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the likelihood. But because it was her land, who was going to come, who was going to come digging, you know? Well, I didn't know if the investigators were going to, like, dig anywhere or anything. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did. Oh, okay. But I'll talk about that in a minute. In prison, Daya was so sure that she'd get off scot-free. She never confessed to anything. She never said anything that could be used against her. They even brought in a priest once to try and get a confession out of her, knowing her reputation as a pious woman. But her lips were fucking sealed. And honestly, pious woman, my ass. It was definitely right. all a cover. Right. 
She had absolutely no remorse for what she had done. She, she just did not give a shit. I think it probably started as revenge for her or just like her rage lashing out. But I think she just found a taste for it and kept going. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I 100%. think so, definitely. During the investigation, they found that there were 138 suspicious deaths at the Soltyakova estate over the past six to seven years. Yep. Yep. So Sounds that's why right. I think like, they dug. I, I think that's why they they dug up stuff. Yeah. I think I think they got a. a I think they got enough bodies, but also um, enough just enough people to talk. I I think it's it was probably easier to get people to talk after they had bodies because once there's bodies, it's a lot easier to convict to convict someone. Yeah, and it's not like they could do uh, tons of forensics on the body because this is the 18th no. century, but. Um, 138. Remember, she had 600 serfs, so 138 of them dying in six to yeah. seven years—that's unlikely. That, yeah. That's like yeah. almost a fifth. Yeah. Also, be imagine being one person doing all that. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. That's mm-hmm. crazy to think about. Yeah. She never would have had much of a break. She just would have always been doing it to some capacity. Yeah, and she didn't. She she would have tortured more people than she murdered as well because yeah, her goal wasn't yeah. always to to kill people. She she just genuinely enjoyed inflicting pain. And if you kill everyone, then you're going to run out of toys essentially. Because yeah. I think that's how she saw them was was her playthings. Fucked up, so fucked up. Um, in the end, though, they were only able to formally pin thirty eight of the deaths to Daya. I'm not sure why. Uh, I think maybe confessions, like enough confessions, but yeah. it's 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 unclear. Uh, but all those deaths were ruled as deaths that result that all of those deaths were ruled as deaths that resulted from torture. She was found guilty, and the manner of punishment and the manner of punishment had to be decided by the empress herself, by Catherine the Great. The death penalty was off the table because it had been abolished in 1754. So like eight years previously. Oh, no, because she was imprisoned for six years. So like 12 years previously. But Catherine still wanted to make an example out of Daya. And she still wanted her to suffer for her crimes because fuck Daya. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Daya was ultimately sentenced to life in prison. Uh, but after the sentence was given, they chained her to a post in the Red Square, which is in the center of Moscow, with a sign hanging around her neck that read, this woman has tortured and murdered. And she was just left there for hours and hours and hours where members of the public were fully allowed to go up and beat her. This is shame vibes. Yeah. Oh my God. From Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't feel bad, vibes. but like. But I do like, not feel bad that's for her. Crazy. No, but that I, definitely I, wouldn't happen today. After that, Daya was taken to a convent where she was put in like a literal dungeon. It was underground. There were no windows and she was pretty much always in chains. She was kept under 24 hour watch. She was brought food by a nun each day who would also like bring a candle so she could see what she was eating. Uh, But then as soon as she finished her meal, the candle was taken away. They're like, nope, light privileges done for the day. Oh my God. She really got what was coming to her. That'd be wild. In 1779, so 11 years after she was put into the dungeon, Daya was moved to a room 
above ground uh, that had a window. And she eventually died in prison in November of 1801. Though some sources say 1800. It doesn't really matter, though. Uh, But she would have been 71 years old and she spent 33 years of her life in prison, which is nuts. Um, So in regards to her sons, did they know that she was doing all of this? I have no information on the sons other than they exist and the years that they were born. I I don't know. There is a good chance because of how like royalty works that they weren't at the same property that she was true especially yeah, they probably would have been away at like boarding schools and because they came from a husband who died so like they could be like on another land running another property stuff like yeah that. yeah very true i think they only had the one property though I, I feel they I still would have been young for the majority of the time yeah. that she was murdering so i i feel no, like it's likely probably. they would have been away at school yeah. I'm sure they or found just... out, though, because this was super public, because yeah, Catherine de Great was sure. like, bitch, everyone's going to know what you did. Uh, yeah. But I don't know what that meant for them later in life. I don't know what they ended up doing with their lives. I I didn't look into it, but even... I don't even think there would be that much on them. But this actually, even though we've gone through Daya's life, this is not the end of the story, because Daya was not the only countess in Russia during this time that used her power and influence for evil. So I'm going to have Angelica talk about another one. Yeah, this is unfortunately not the only one. Uh, The other woman was named Olga Konstantinova Strakova. (gasps) What does that mean? I wrote C-B-A-S. I'm guessing it's a was. I, uh, yeah. That's special. Um, Okay, but uh, yeah, she was born in 1776. She was 46 years after Dario was born, but she was certainly similar. So much so that they called her the Kursk Solchichisk. Do you want me to say it? (laughs) The Kursk Solchichisk. Better. Close. Better. <laughs> I'm, I, guys, I can't do Russian. I'm sorry. Um, Kursk, Yeah. Kursk uh, was for the empire in which she lived. Um, and. Saltyachika. No, Saltyachika. Was after Daria. Um, Olga had two very different sides to her. Okay, so we talked about how this is very similar to Daria. So Olga, like, on one hand, was this role model in elite society. She was, like, extremely intelligent, and she would give money to those who were poor, and she supported the arts, and she had churches built, etc. She was pious as well. (laughs) Clearly not. Pious my Uh, ass. Right? (laughs) Like, that is, sometimes people just, like, use that as such a disguise, and I'm like, ugh. Because on the other hand, she was a serial killer who was responsible for over 100 deaths. Um, And this happened, like, when she was relatively older. Like, so in 1817, she was 40 years old at the time. And she bought an estate. And it had a cloth. No. And she had a cloth factory built. And... I'm not sure if, like, the power of the position and the fact that, like, the factory was ahead of its time, like, 
got to her head or something, but she just abused the hell out of the workers to an unbelievable degree, similar to Daria. And Olga would take everything from the people who came, or who, from the serfs that were working from her. If they had property, it was taken away from them, like Bella talked about at the beginning. And, I mean, she clearly also stripped them of their livelihoods. She had a bunch of people, like, working for her as well. And, you know, Isabella sort of talked about how a a lot of these workers started very young. So the youngest workers at Olga's farm or factory were seven years old. And like the conditions that serfs were kept like were barely tolerable for an adult. Like, can you imagine children being in those conditions? Like, That's crazy. It's just crazy. Uh, she would beat her workers with various objects similar to Daria, and she would also starve them to death, which I don't, I'm, I'm sure happened with Daria, but like, I don't Daya think as often. Daria is a lot more of a, Daria is a sadist. Yes, Daya is exactly. an evil sadist, but I think Olga is more of like the greedy capitalist. Yes. Her, yes, her crimes are definitely money motivated, whereas Daya's were motivated just through sheer wanting to harm other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and similarly, like farmers and workers, they lodge complaints against her um, and her treatment because people, like people, weren't blind to this stuff happening. Like people knew about it. Uh, they. So they told Emperor Alexander the first, and he thankfully listened to them. And he also, similarly to Catherine the Great, started an investigation. It lasted about three years, and she was convicted, and her factory was taken away from her. Thank goodness. Um, and so Daria's crimes only lasted for four years, and she also killed over a hundred people. Like, that is so nuts to me. And I really, I really do think that it was a power-hungry reason. Because, like, she was married twice, but nothing so significant happened to her that she suddenly got, like, this lust for, like, blood and torture. Like, she was just doing There wasn't, it. Like, a, like, a stressor or a trigger or anything. No. It was yeah. just kind of, like... And I don't think she had a lust for for blood in any way. I think she had. I think she got power, and I think she got money, yeah. and she wanted more of that. And the lives of her workers just were irrelevant to her. Like she just didn't care. Sorry, yeah. The, I think the similarity between the big similarities between Daya and Olga are a the number of victims. Yes. Uh, and b the sense of power. But the yeah. type of power is different. I think Daya just liked the idea of being physically and emotionally in power over all of mm -hmm. these people. She didn't care so much about the money. She just no. liked she liked she liked hurting people. She liked to see them in pain. She liked to see them embarrassed. She liked to see uh, men cry when she killed the loved ones in front of them. Whereas Olga was hungry yeah. for for the power and the money and the prestige, and everyone else be damned. Yeah. Um, but both women clearly did not regret any of it. Like, so no. they're in a similar vein because of that. Like, they're both evil fucking women. Bitches. Oh, awful. 
So I want to end this on somewhat of a happy note. It's like happy-ish. Serfdom was abolished in 1861, which freed 23 million people at that time. However, I mean, it's not like all sunflower and fucking daisies after. Peasants were still very much at the mercy of their landowners for a long time, which led to a lot of unrest and a lot of small rebellions that eventually like culminated into the 1905 revolution and then subsequently the Bolshevik revolution, which took down the monarchy and then led to the USSR, which led to other problems. And Russia's history is very long and complicated, but at the very yeah. least, they don't have serfdom anymore. So these these problems can't happen again. Uh, but this all started... What I find so interesting is this all started because of the Romanovs who lasted for so long because the Romanovs relied on the landowners, which made the landowners rely on the serfs. But the serfs also relied on the landowners because what else could they possibly fucking do? So that's the case. That's a little bit of Russian history. Um, We're definitely going back to Russia. They've got a lot of detailed cases. Rai, you have a hard time finding uh, cases. So look into Russia. I know, but we can't do like too many too close together. So I know, but like you know, in a, a few out. months down the road, when you're desperate for a case, um, <laughs> if you would like to see pictures from this case, I mean, they're not pictures so much as paintings. Paintings of the 18th century. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to see the painting, I mean, uh, she was a noblewoman, so she had a formal painting done. So if you want to see the painting of Daya, you can head on over to our social media. Uh, it's at True Crime INTL on Instagram. We also have a Facebook group. Just type in True Crime International. We'll pop right up. We uh, are always talking to people over there. We are asking questions and uh, we've had a couple of like independent discussions, which is interesting, like stuff that we didn't prompt, which I'm really excited about. So come join us and, and hang out. It's a good time over there. Um, if you are enjoying the show and you would like more content, we have a Patreon. It's currently only $5 a month and you get, uh, at least three additional pieces of content, including a layover, a full length episode and a red eye, which are usually pretty long because we're drunk and can't stop talking. Um, (laughs) and they're a good time. Uh, so there's that. And also if you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, which currently a third of you are, I can see you, uh, I would really appreciate it if you would take two seconds out of your day to leave us a five-star review. It really helps to boost the show. Um, It helps more people find us and it's going to help us be able to grow the show and make it even better. Um, And I think that's it. I think that's all the things. Riley, do you want to send us off? I sure do. (laughs) Um, We hope you learned something interesting today about Russia or about anything in general, maybe about us. And we hope you enjoyed your stay here at True Crime International. Bye. Bye. Bye.